is the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast with Lindsay Preston, episode 108, My Enneagram Understandings. Welcome to the Become an Unstoppable Woman podcast, the show for goal-getting, fear-facing women who are kicking ass by creating change. I'm your host, Lindsay Preston. I'm a wife, mom of two, and a multi-certified life coach to women all over the world. I've lived through enough in life to know that easier doesn't always equate to better. We can't fear the fire, we must learn to become it. And on this show, I'll teach you how to do just that. So join me as I challenge you to become even more of the strong, resilient, and powerful woman you are meant to be. Let's do this. Unstoppable. Welcome to another episode of the show. As always, so grateful to have you here. Now, just in case you've missed it, maybe like this is your first episode listening to the show in a while or ever, we have a podcast book. So as you can see, we're on episode 108 of the show. The first 100 episodes, we created a book summarizing each of those 100 episodes. It is crazy awesome. It is truly a study guide for life. So either you've listened to those episodes or not, either way you want to get your hands on this book because you're going to be able to just flip through it and reference anything that you're going through at any time. So say you're experiencing disappointment, you will flip to the page that says dealing with disappointment and it'll walk you through step by step what to do to process that feeling. Changing careers, go to that episode. Flip, 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 flip. Okay. Here's what Lindsay suggests to make a strategic career change. Want to improve your resume? Flip, 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 flip. Go to the page that says rock your resume and start to learn just what is going on in that episode. So you can understand, is this something I want to invest more time on? This book is free. You can get it by just leaving a review for the show. So wherever you listen to your podcasts, hopefully they have a spot where you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts is the big one. Go there, leave a review for the show, take a picture of that review, and then submit it to Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-E, Preston.com forward slash one zero zero. Okay. There you will then submit that picture and my assistant, Rachel, will send you the podcast book. If you're a current client, you will get a printed book, okay? So you want to go do that. Now, I will say, if you can't leave a review on your podcast player, you can go to my Facebook page, just search Lindsay Preston, and you will see my business page pop up. Go leave a review for the show over there, okay? Then again, take a picture of it, submit it to that link. Links, as always, are in the show notes if you miss them. But you definitely want to get your hands on this book. It took us so many hours and thousands and thousands of dollars to put this book together (laughs) with all the time and money invested in it. It was edited and edited again and again and again and again. Oh my gosh. It's been one of the biggest projects I think I've ever taken on in my business. And I'm so proud of it because I know of the change it's going to create in your life. And it's free. Okay, do not miss that book, all right? Okay, now let's get into what we're talking about this week, which is the Enneagram. 
Woo! I can't wait. I have been thinking about this episode for months now and planning it out in my head again and again and again. If you haven't worked with me in a coaching setting, you may not know that I actually love personality assessments. Like they light me up like no other. So when a client decides they're going to work with me, I have them go take a slew of personality assessments. And one of those assessments is the Enneagram. And the reason why I have them take, you know, all the assessments I have them take is I want to see what's under the hood. In essence, like what is going on in their brain? And it allows me to then kind of step into their shoes even more and understand, okay, this is how somebody processes information. This is how they're looking at the world. These are their top values. These are their Clifton strengths. These are the things that likely will be an overdrive that are causing more problems in their life than good. So I need to figure out a way to fine tune this. These are likely some beliefs they have in their life that are holding them back, right? I could go on and on about all the things I gather from personality assessments. But today, as I said, we're talking about Enneagram. So for Enneagram, it's really testing your motivation, okay? So in essence, you are motivated many times by fear, right? Have you ever heard of that? Can you believe that? And so when you're looking at the Enneagram, if you go deep down into it, each Enneagram number, one through nine, has a deep core fear. And so they are then taking action in their lives to avoid that fear coming true. And from that, they typically have a list of different behaviors that each Enneagram number tends to do and not do to, again, avoid that fear coming true. Okay. So I was introduced to the Enneagram think around 2013, 2014, when I was first putting my coaching business together. And so I was, again, like taking in so much information about what I wanted to include in my coaching process. And I looked at Enneagram, but I didn't quite understand it at the time. I didn't get a lot of ahas in my own life from it. And so I pushed it aside and I moved on. Well, then in about 2018, 2017, maybe, On Instagram, Enneagram just became really hot. Like everybody and their dog was talking about it. You were even seeing all these churches that were in my area of like, come take this Enneagram workshop. And it just seemed to be accepted by everybody. And everyone was talking about it and like what Enneagram number they were and sharing all these images they saw on Instagram and Enneagram coaches became really hot. And I must admit, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I wish I had invested in knowing the Enneagram. And you'll learn this a bit later about me as we talk about my Enneagram number. But for me to be able to go out and share something, I have to feel like I really know it. And so it's taken me about three years of consistently studying the Enneagram to feel like, okay, I've got an understanding on this baby. (laughs) Now let me share some understandings that I have with the world. And here we are today with this podcast, right? So let me backtrack a little bit more for you. So in 2017-ish, when the Enneagram became hot, that was when I had my son and I was taking some time off. But when I came back in 2019 and I restarted my coaching business, That was when I started testing my clients for what Enneagram number they were. And I started digging deeper into my own Enneagram number. 
and then just touching on uh, the other Enneagram numbers. And what I was doing here was just trying to get an overall idea of this Enneagram thing and if it was something that I found of value in my own life and in my clients' lives. And so I was lucky at this point because before, as I said, I had you know touched on it and didn't find value, didn't understand it. But now all of these teachers started to bubble up and all of these coaches started to come out of like, hey, I know Enneagram, let me teach you. And it just happened that the middle school principal at my daughter's school, she is a certified life coach, crazy cool, right? And she is well-versed in the Enneagram. So she had a free Enneagram workshop at my daughter's school for parents and teachers. And of course, I raised my hand and rushed my little booty out there. And I gained so much value from that workshop. She, I'll tell you the story here in a bit, but like she just opened my eyes in a whole new way to it. And I finally got it. And so then I started to study up even more on the other Enneagram numbers. And I was studying my clients behind the scenes of, okay, what am I seeing here based on their Enneagram numbers? What does this mean for them? And as time has gone on now, it's been two years that I've been testing my clients in their Enneagram and I'm seeing patterns. Like there are a couple Enneagram numbers I'll get to today that I just feel like I get it. Like I'm an expert at those Enneagram numbers. I know what their problems are. I know how to solve them. I know even their problems before they even see their own problems. I just get them. Like we, and we've created this synergy with one another and it's just a magical, magical place. Now I'll also share, there are some Enneagram numbers I'm not quite there yet with. And so I'm going to be forward and honest with you about that and how I'm still working on some other Enneagram numbers and in hopes of just, you know, you having your own insight too, and, and just being authentic with you. I say that often on the show is, um, you know, I'm here to kind of put myself out there, good, bad, and ugly, but there are a few Enneagram numbers that I'm like, oh my gosh, I get it. And I'm finding that I'm attracting those numbers to me over and over and over and over again to a point where it's like, oh my gosh, should I just work with these Enneagram numbers? Because it just seems like, Not only do I track them, but once they're in the coaching process, again, there's a synergy. All right. So today, again, I'm sharing all my understandings with you. If it's a vast understanding of some and if it's not with others, I will be authentic and honest with you. So we've got to jump in. I'm already at 10 minutes into the show. I need to get moving. All right. So let's first talk about my Enneagram number because I'm going to continually reference that back because what I learned from that workshop that I mentioned earlier at my daughter's school was an Enneagram in essence is kind of like we all have different colored glasses that we're wearing. So as an Enneagram five, maybe my glasses are blue, right? And so I'm seeing the world in a different way than somebody who is an Enneagram four or six or anything other than a five, right? And so It's just really important that you understand that as I'm saying these understandings today, that I have the perspective of a five, okay? So my glasses are from that way. And if somebody else is talking about that number or your number or whatever, they may have a different perspective. So take that as, you know, however you want. I always say, take what you love, leave the rest. And also take in that... I'm saying generalizations today, right? 
you are a unique and special person. Some of the things that I may understand about an Enneagram number may not relate to you, and that's okay. I'm not going to have you take the Enneagram and you walk in the door of coaching with me if that happens and then say, oh, well, she's an Enneagram one. Well, I know all about her. No, I'm still going to take the time to get to know you and to customize, you know, whatever I hear from you. But it will give me just enough understanding to say, you know, do you struggle with this? Do you do this? Do you do that? And and knowing what questions to ask you. All right. Okay. So you ready to get into it? All right. So Enneagram 5, as I said, that's what I am. And I am definitely an Enneagram 5. And going back to again to that workshop at my daughter's school, when she went through each Enneagram number, she said, you know, many times the test isn't accurate. And um, I would agree with that. But I do feel like I have found a test that is really good and really accurate. So I'll link that in the show notes and it's free to take. So if you don't know your Enneagram number, or you question what it is, go take that test. It'll give you, in essence, two, a result of a pie and it will show you, okay, maybe yes, you're the most like a five, but you're also a lot like a three and maybe you have a little bit of eight and it will just kind of show you of like, maybe you are various numbers and it'll just make more sense to you. But anyways, going back to you, I'm a five. So fives are really the ones who are living in their head. And um, the analogy that I heard at that very first workshop, it's like a hermit crab who is in their shell. And going back to what I was saying earlier, when she said, when you find your Enneagram number, it's like um, you feel seen, right? And you feel understood. And for some people, they even start crying. It's just so powerful because go back to what I said earlier is that really your motivation that you're finding from the Enneagram, it goes back to a core fear. So when that's brought to the surface, it's like, oh my gosh, how did you know that about me? Like, I didn't even know that in myself. And that's exactly how I felt when she talked about a five at this workshop. And she was talking about the core fear of the five is not knowing enough and um, really being shown as ignorant and incompetent and overwhelmed and invaded even. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And I, again, I had no awareness of this, even after the years and years and years of coaching, because it was so deep down in my psyche that there was no way that I could have pulled that awareness without knowing, without knowing, you know, this five stuff, right? And she was talking about how five typically starts the day with a low battery. Again, totally agree. It's always seeming like for me that I'm always having to generate energy and I'm having to manage my energy. And again, I didn't consciously know I was doing this for a long time and that I can get overwhelmed very easily and um, all the things. So fives, again, are just known as like being in their head. They're very, very deep thinkers. They can be very logical. They are researchers because again, they go back to that fear. They don't want to be seen as incompetent. And so they will go above and beyond to learn things like way more than anybody else because they don't want somebody to call them out and say, well, you don't know this or you don't know that. And again, it just made so much sense for me once I realized this. If you go back to like looking at my coaching business, man, I had some major imposter syndrome for a long time. And again, I didn't even know it. And I was just like, oh, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. I was way undercharging in my business. And yet my clients were getting great results and they were super happy. But inside I was like, 
oh, but what if they find out that I don't know X, Y, Z, or what if I can't solve ABC? And it was just like this ongoing story I was telling myself. And at this workshop, she said, you know, fives, they're typically very quiet. They're in the corner, like at a workshop like this, they're not going to raise their hand because they're just going to be sitting there and learning. But the reality is, is most time fives should be the one that are actually leading workshops like these because they'll come, they'll take the information deeply, they'll integrate it, they'll want to deeply understand it, and then they know it so well that they could go off and teach it. And when she said that, it was like my whole body got warm. And I remember feeling like I just wanted to cry because that's how I'd felt for so long in my business at that time was, oh, I know all of this stuff. And I remember even telling my husband once, like my deepest fear was I was going to die and not get all this information out of my head. Like I wasn't going to be able to share it with the world. And it just went back to that fear again, a feeling like I was going to be shown as incompetent. And from that day forward on that workshop, I was like, no more, Lindsay, like you are making a change. You are making things happen. You're not going to live in fear anymore of this happening to you. And knowing too of this energy thing of, okay, energy is really important to you. You're going to start your day likely feeling not as energized as everybody else. And that's your work. Like that's some work for you to do around that. And these are the boundaries you need to set with others about that as you start to, you know, work on this thing and just accept and love that about you. And so I have, right? But also at the same time, um, I've had to grow in a lot of ways of putting myself out there and, and being very vulnerable in essence of like, even today with this Enneagram stuff of, you know, I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking about it of what am I missing? What am I missing? What am I missing? To a point where now it's deadline day for podcasts. And I'm like, okay, I've got to sit down and I've got to record this episode. I know more than enough and I'm moving forward with it. Okay. So I have to tell myself that stuff often. All right. The other thing as an Enneagram five, since I'm in my head so much, I don't really naturally take care of my body. And so I have to intentionally do things like work out. And this is actually something that before this past year, especially with COVID, was really good for me. Like I've just always kind of been in a routine of working out. Um, I used to have a dance studio, as many of you know. And so that naturally balanced me in that way. But this past year of not doing those things, because I just didn't make it a priority, my fiveness has gotten into overdrive, meaning I'm just in my head so much to a point where I'm realizing that a lot of fives, now take this for what it is, I'm not a doctor, but I'm going to throw this out there. A lot of fives have ADHD. And that's because they're just all up in their head. You can even look at it from a shocker perspective. I know for some of you, you're not into that, which is fine. But that just means you're really, really, really up in that crown chakra. And so it's way too open. And your other chakras need balancing, meaning just like your body chakras, like your root, your sacral, et cetera, right? And so again, it's like, wow, okay, I've really got to make sure I am doing stuff in my body. So like in the past few months, I've invested in somebody you're going to meet here on the show in a few weeks um, who has intentionally taught me body work and coached me into body work. Because as a five, again, I need to be in my body. Okay. All this stuff in my head is great and awesome. But in order for me to actually be at the max potential in my life, I have to do body work. Because again, a lot of fives, they rock it in their heads, meaning 
they are smart as fuck. Let me just tell you, okay? I'm going to claim it. And when I'm coaching fives, it's the same thing. They do not think that they're that smart. They may like have this aura of it of like, I'm so smart. And I did the same thing too. I remember telling a therapist once, I was like, I question how I look sometimes and I question these other things, but I do not question that I'm smart. And since I know this about fives, when I get a five, I'll go deeper down and I'm like, do you really believe that? And here are the reasons why I say that, because you've said X and you've said Y and you said Z. And they'll be like, oh my gosh, Lindsay, how did you know? Yes, deep down, I really don't think I'm smart. I'm like, I know. It's this weird thing we do as fives. We like try and pump ourselves up and say we're so, so smart, but really deep down, we feel inadequate there. Okay. But going back to it, fives are smart as fuck. (laughs) And that's something I've had to tell myself over and over and over and over and over again. And this is just reiterated for me as a mindset coach. I am really good in my head. I'm really good in other people's heads. Mindset work is my jam. I love it. You know, you'll again hear in a couple episodes how I've brought in this body coach or body work coach, not only in my own life, but in my practice. And I've partnered with somebody because she is really good in the body and I am really good in the mind. That's just where my zone of genius is. I've accepted it. I've loved it. And that's just part of my fiveness. All right. So a couple last things I want to say about fives. So I know when I'm getting a client who is an Enneagram 5, they are likely more tired than the average person. And so that's something that I'm going to have to manage with them during the coaching process, especially if they have kids, okay? Because kids, let's face it, take a lot of energy. And as I said earlier, fives start with a lower battery. And so that's just something that I'm going to have to manage with them. It's hard for me with Enneagram fives in the coaching process to keep them engaged with others. So, you know, the first nine months of my coaching process is one-on-one. Now there are aspects of a community in there that they can use from time to time. But after those nine months, if they continue to work with me, it's in a group program and engagement is important. The community is one of the values of that group program. And it's hard for me sometimes to pull my fives out of their shell. And I totally get it because when I'm in groups, and communities, I am like, yeah, here's all my things I need to do each day. And, you know, sometimes, actually many times, the community isn't always a huge priority for me. And two, sometimes I'll get in there, I'll say something, and then I'll get a ton of engagement. And I'm like, oh, great. I did not like manage my energy for this. Again, five, this is a big deal for them, this energy thing, right? And so I have to kind of pull fives out of their shell, goes back to that hermit crab in their shell, yes, and get them engaged. And just make sure that they're still, you know, meeting the minimal requirements of that group. And the other thing too, a lot of fives come to me and they're like, oh, I just like people or I don't have any friends or I'm really picky about my friends. And then again, I'm like, I totally get it. <laughs> I'm the same way, but we have to balance this. Like we have to find some really great healthy relationships for you that aren't going to be super draining for you. Um, and also let's change that script about not liking people. You just maybe haven't been in the right environments. And because we get so drained as fives, we do have to be around the right people. We can't be around people who have a ton of drama and, um, you know, just like a funky energy in essence, even it's just going to be draining to us. And that's okay. We just need to accept that. But we still need to engage in the world to find those people because it's just important, right? 
Now, the other thing that I see with fives is a lot of times they love my coaching process. They're like, man, Lindsay, you know your shit. I'm so happy I invested in this. But what they're basing off of their results is how much new content am I learning? Okay. And I get it. I got them on five, right? But really content plus coaching equals change. And for a lot of my fives, they'll take in the content and then they'll be like, oh yeah, the content was so great. I got enough, you know, ahas or enough um, of my, you know, financial investment back just from the content. And I'm like, no, 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 girl. Like that's just where we're getting started. Like content's just a part of that puzzle. We've still got a coach on it. And then too, as, as the coaching process goes on and there's less and less content, I've had some fives be like, oh, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel engaged. I'm like, yeah, because again, like it's not just about the content, my friend. It's not just about what you're learning from a book. It's what you're implementing in your life. And so that action piece is super important for my fives and keeping them in that action process. All right. The other thing that I mentioned earlier is staying in their body and then two, speaking the F up. My fives, again, you are fucking smart. Go out there and speak it up in the world and really claim that power. That's a lot of the work I'm doing with my fives of really owning it and owning it in a way too where they're not um, resentful because that's what can happen as fives is like, say we go somewhere and we go to some kind of training or something and um, we think, oh yes, I'm going to learn so much. And then we get there and it's like, wait a second, I actually know more than these fuckers that are on the stage. <laughs> Again, that's where my mind goes is like calling them fuckers. And then what happens is you actually get mad at yourself. And it's like, damn, here I am doubting myself and thinking I'm not good enough. But these guys and gals are up on the stage teaching this stuff. And I know way more than they do. And they're way making way more money than I am. And here I am sitting in the corner, right? And so it just, it's a balance with fives. Like we really just have to start owning our power, owning our um, intelligence and going out there and getting uncomfortable as it is for us to go out there and realize we might get asked questions and things that we don't know the answer to and just realizing it's a fear and it's something that's not really um, even legitimate. Like even if we don't know something, that doesn't mean we're stupid. It just means you know, we just didn't know it and that's okay and not letting that fear overtake us. All right. Um, now, the other thing I want to say about fives before I move on, this podcast episode, by the way, it looks like it's going to be really long, as you can probably tell. But the other thing I want to say about fives is with fives, their growth path, and this is going to be more advanced. If you don't know anything about Enneagram yet, this is going to seem like over your head. But where fives want to grow to is being more like Enneagram eights. And Enneagram 8s are like, I'm owning my power. I'm out there in the world. I know what I'm doing kind of thing. And what I've seen with some of my 5s is it's like they forget that I'm a 5 too or something. Um, and then they start kind of telling me how to run the show. And I'm like, girl, like this is my business. I know what I'm doing. This is my thing. And they almost get like a little closed off and strong. In essence, too, I just ended a coaching relationship with a client who's an Enneagram 5, and this is where it ended. It was really funky. It was like I was trying to coach her through some stuff. She was no longer receptive, and that can happen. I've seen it happen a couple times with my fives of like um, they just close themselves off. Like, again, it's like they turn into these eights, which can be all about control and power, but they're not using the best of an eight. They're using the basement of what we call it of the eight. Um, and 
then it's like once they get to that point, they're not catching it. And then all of a sudden they're closed off and then they like run from the coaching relationship. Now, typically what happens is they come back to me and they're like, oh, shit, Lindsay, I totally fucked up. (laughs) But I just want to throw that out there, fives of like you don't want to get to a place where you go from, oh, I don't know anything to I know everything. Like you want to be in that middle ground of some things I don't know and some things I do know. And I'm always going to be open and receptive like a sponge. Okay. Because I do that often too. Like I have to catch myself. I even caught myself with my coach recently. She was saying something. I wasn't quite getting it. My brain was getting defensive and I had to really stop myself and, and change my thought process before I got into that, you know, basement of an eight of like closed off and all the things. Okay. Woo. So that's a big one. <laughs> that's Enneagram 5. The next number I want to talk about is actually the um, most clients that I get. Are you ready for this? Drum roll, please. Enneagram 1. So fun, right? So most times when I sign a new client, I get their All About Me page, which is their page of all their assessment results. And I think, okay, it's going to be a 50-50 chance. They're either going to be an Enneagram 1 or anything else. Yes, like that's how popular Enneagram ones. Or they may have like any uh, one wing, meaning like they're a two or a nine, but they pull in a lot of the qualities of a one, okay? So I don't know why this is. If it's just like fives and ones have really good synergy is something I've read. Another thing is my husband is an Enneagram one. And so I'm analyzing him all of the time, (laughs) especially because, you know, we've been married only like five years. So we're still like, you know, figuring each other out in some ways. Um, And so I just analyze him all the time and like looking back on his Enneagram. And I just feel like I am an expert (laughs) at Enneagram ones. Like I know them in and out. Like I said earlier in the show, I know what their problems are before they even know what their problems are kind of thing. So what I know about Enneagram ones is they're very hard on themselves. And this isn't new information to those of you who are ones um, and know it. Um, The inner critic of a one is strong. And it's so shocking to me because I feel like I've had a really strong inner critic. um, And I can't imagine it being harder than what I've had to deal with, but apparently Enneagram ones is even harder. So I can't even like fathom that, but they're very, very hard on themselves. So that's something I know when I'm coaching a one is like, okay, they're already going to be really hard on themselves. I don't need to coach them hard. Like if anything, I need to coach them to find more grace and love for themselves because if they make a mistake on something, they are going to take it and amplify it. And if anything, I need to take that judgment away from them. Or you know what I'm saying, like coach them through that, right? What I love about Enneagram ones is damn, do they show the fuck up for coaching? I mean, if I tell them to do something, they go do it. And they don't just half-ass do it. Like they do it. They get the absolute depth of what is possible by coaching with me. And so again, it creates this synergy of like, yeah, like we are here. We're going to make your goals and dreams happen. Like you're all in, I'm all in, let's go. And, um, you know, what's cool about them is like, they go all in, they really perform and not in like a showy way. Like it's behind the scenes, head down, pen and paper, like making shit happen. Like going out there, making the results happen. And they're not doing it in a way of like, look at me, look at me, look at me. It's just of look, you know, like getting it done kind of thing. They really do the work. Um, 
Yet, if you generally call something out, they will think it's them. So I have a couple Enneagram ones or ones with one wings and my group program. And sometimes I just generally have to say information like, hey, y'all, you guys need to be doing X, Y, Z. Or, you know, if you haven't invested in this, that, that, you need to kind of thing. And my ones will be the first one that'll be like, Lindsay, I have been doing more than enough. And they'll like get really defensive. And I'm like, girl, I was not talking to you to a point where I've had to just tell my ones or one wings is like, hey, if I'm saying something, then it does not mean you unless I tell you directly. Because again, ones are automatically going to have that inner critic come up, even though we've diminished it a ton in the coaching process. It's just very natural for them. They want to be able to perform at a high level. And so if someone's coming at them and saying, hey, we need you to do blah, 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 they're going to automatically think it's them. I've just learned this about ones. I see it with my husband all the time too. His boss will say something, generally speaking, and he'll come to me and be like, Lindsay, I need to work more because Peter said da, 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 da. And I know he's talking about me. And I'm like, really, babe? <laughs> like, you are the one of the most intricate wealth managers they have. Like, I have to coach him through that. But it is like a very real story to him in his head. And again, I get it. I have some aspects of this, too. Um, the other thing I love about Enneagram Ones is they give the best feedback. The best. Like, not only just from a coaching perspective of, like, giving feedback to me about my business and my coaching in general. Like they are just so honest and they think very deeply. And because they have really studied the work that whatever they've been given, then um, it's it's just a really meaty feedback that um, I really respect. Um, now, where they need to work on many times is their delivery. And especially if they're giving you feedback and it's not asked, that can create a little bit of conflict sometimes. Like my husband, for example, he'll give me feedback on how I am maybe like loading the dishwasher. And I'm like, dude, I'm not open to that feedback right now. (laughs) So as ones, you may just want to lead with, hey, would you like feedback on this? (laughs) If it's not in a relationship where, you know, feedback is expected kind of thing. Okay. Um, And some clients will do this to me from time to time. They'll just give me feedback. And I'm like, whoa, I was not in the headspace for that. So just like, like next time, just kind of warn me for that so that I can be in the right headspace. Okay. So just that's my tip for you. The other thing too with Enneagram Ones is they need time to feel and they need time to play. Enneagram ones work really, 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 really hard, as I said. And so they can just get consumed by work to a place where they're not playing anymore. And the world feels really heavy on their shoulders. A lot of them I see have the strength of responsibility. So that's coming in on them of anytime they're saying they're going to do something, they're going to do it and they're going to do it well, right? And so they've got to integrate that play. One of my Enneagram ones that I have in my coaching group, she does this so beautifully. Like every week she she gives us our, her update because that's part of the group. And she's talking about, oh, I went to this concert or I did this thing or I went out with my husband and blah, 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 blah. And um, I'm like, damn, like you are living the perfect Enneagram one life. And that's where Enneagram ones need to grow to is being more like a seven 
And um, sevens we'll get to in a bit, but sevens are really fun and playful. And I see this with my husband too. We call that version of him vacation Jason because <laughs> his name's Jason. Um, and he's just so much fun on vacations. Like, oh, he's the best. And when we first started dating, you know, it's it's easy in the first, you know, few months, if not year of dating, you have a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, he was the most fun ever. And I love that about him. It's like he can be really serious, head down, focused, and do amazing work, and then he can be fun. But where he struggles now is keeping that fun part of him, especially now that we have a young son and I have a daughter and et cetera, et cetera, right? And so um, it's just really important for ones to integrate that into their lives. The other thing, the core fear of an Enneagram one is being seen as like bad, like they're a bad person. And before I really understood this about ones, when my husband and I would get in arguments, he would go to, well, I'm a good person. I'm a good person, Lindsay. I don't know why you're getting on to me. I'm a good person. I'd be like, what the F is he talking about? (laughs) Where did I even like assume that he was a bad person? And so when I studied more about Enneagram Ones, I'm like, oh, this is why he keeps saying that (laughs) because that's their core fear. And so I I had to teach that to him and I haven't gotten that (laughs) response in a long time. Um, And you can see the fear in him sometimes too, especially like if we get around his extended family, like his parents, he goes into this like ultimate good boy mentality of like, I'm going to do all the things almost to like a codependent kind of relationship. And I see this a lot with my Enneagram ones because also too, he has a wing two, which shoes are the helper. And we'll get to that in a bit. But um, yeah, he just does so much um, to a point where it's like, dude, we know you're a good person. You don't need to go over the top with it kind of stuff. Okay. So just be aware of that. Um, Like I said earlier, when they commit, they commit. But the big thing is they need to watch those perfectionistic tendencies of just like, you know, going over the top, beating themselves up in the process. Even too, they can vacillate a little bit, which vacillating means they have black and white thinking. And think about it. If their um, core fear is that they're bad, that's very black and white of either something's good or bad. And so I have to just kind of neutralize that for a lot of my ones of you're neither good nor bad. And a lot of times too, you know, they got a story as kids of that bad boy. Don't do that bad boy. Like I even saw my um, mother-in-law do this with some things. And I was like, oh, okay, now I'm getting more of the story of why he's a one, right? And so just, just be mindful of that, okay? Not everything is good or bad. It's actually everything is kind of gray. It's in the middle. And so just take that in, okay? So I am seeing now that this episode is getting really long. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through one more Enneagram number. And then next week, we're going to go through the next Enneagram number. So this is going to be a two-parter. All right, my friend, because it just, I don't want you to sit here for the next like three hours talking about Enneagram. So just keep in mind of that. Okay. But I'm going to go with my last number. And that is the number two most popular client that I have. And that's Enneagram 2. Now, I must admit, I have a special place in my heart for Enneagram 2s or even those with two wings. (sighs) I think in my next life, I want to be an Enneagram (laughs) 2. I love them so very much. And if you hear me shuffling papers, it's because I'm turning over to my Enneagram 2 page. Let me just count the ways how I love Enneagram 2s. To me, when they are balanced, they are the ultimate feminine energy. And as I said earlier, my husband's a one with a two wing. And so he has this part of him of like bringing in this feminine energy, but yet in a masculine way. 
like he's so loving and supportive and he's able to like hold space for me to feel and he can feel. And, um, yeah. So when I see like twos that are women and they fully step into the best of the best of being a two, they are the ultimate servants in this world, the ultimate helpers in this world. And because of that, people are drawn to them, especially if they're in a helping profession, because um, they just have so much energy and drive to go and serve and help. And people love that, right? Don't you want to be around somebody who you know wants to help and serve you? I know I do. And the amount of value that they give in the world, it just comes back to them 10 million fold, it seems like. Like I have a two in my group program right now who's pregnant and you can't help but just want to give her all the things. And she's has so many people that love her in her life and, you know, they're giving her showers and stuff. And it's so funny because she referred another client to me, a couple clients actually. And many times we'll refer to her and we'll be like, yeah, well, we're not her kind of thing. Because again, she like just embodies the beauty of a two and everyone wants to be around that and that energy. Now twos, many times when they come in the door and they're working with me, they are burnt out. They have been giving way too much to other people and they have forgotten themselves in the process to a point where they get really resentful, especially if they have one wing meaning they pull some of the qualities of that one. And so um, what my work with them is, is to figure themselves out and like take self-care and not have guilt with that self-care and to, you know, not be so mean to themselves in the process or slow down a lot if they have an Enneagram uh, three wing because they are going to want to go achieve, 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 achieve and to just like focus back in on themselves, getting slow, taking care of themselves because that right there is the core of what's going to get them into the best of the best of the Enneagram too. And they just love to love. Like they're just here to, again, serve and love people and, and fall in love with themselves. And when they fall deeply in love with themselves and they start to push away that guilt, not push it away, but like process it, right? then they're able to just love on themselves and it just radiates from them. Oh, again, I want to be one of these. <laughs> it's so funny because my Enneagram twos are like, no, you don't. You don't want to be us. I'm like, I don't know. It seems pretty awesome. Now, part of their problem is codependency in some ways. So meaning like um, if other people are happy, they're happy. They'll put other people's needs before their own needs. And, you know, we, we're taught this a lot in our society, especially as women. This is the program when we get a lot of like everybody else comes before us. If everybody else is happy, then we're happy. And that is so unhealthy. And as twos, they really have to realize just how unhealthy that is, and how it's so much healthier for them to take care of themselves and to have, create a healthy life and a happy life for themselves. And that actually is going to have a trickle down effect with everybody else in their lives. And it seems really simple and really logical, right? Of like just making that sh shift. But to a two, it feels very, very deep to them. Um, because two, their fear is being unappreciated, rejected, not needed, wanted, or loved. And so, um, you know, if, for example, if I have a two mom and they're like, well, I just do all the things for my kids. And, um, you know, if I just start taking care of myself, then they're not going to need me as much and they're not going to want me and I might not be as loved. And it's like, no, 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 no. Actually, many times what you're doing for your kids is way too much. Like we need to, you know, scale it back a little bit. 
um, because it just gets to a point where it's too much and the child is not able to, you know, learn what they need to learn or their partner, whoever they're overly supporting. Um, so the other thing too, is that because when they're out of balance, they're giving, 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 they can almost be overbearing. Okay. So the twos that I've encountered in my personal life, it feels like that. Now, granted, I'm a five and, you know, I'm very mindful of who enters my energy space kind of thing. But um, yeah, it can just be like, they're overbearing to a point where they're so needy that they want you to feed them in essence, their self-worth. Um, so it's like, are you okay? Is everything okay? What do you need? What do you need? And it's like, whoa, calm the F down. Like, I'm fine. <laughs> you don't need to like overly do it. Um, and you can just tell that their self-worth is coming from however much happiness you have. And their sense of worth in the world is also coming from how needed and wanted um, am I, right? Um, and so to a lot of twos, they tend to overspend on gifts. And um, I've had to see a lot of my twos, you know, pull themselves out of debt, in essence, because they've been overly giving for so long. And it's many times, you know, when I receive from a two, it's beautiful and lovely. And I I love it. I'm always going to appreciate a gift, right? But um, it's it's too much. (laughs) And it's sometimes even like they just want to give the gift to give a gift. And it's not even like individual to what I'm really even wanting or what somebody else in my life that I know is wanting. Um, It's more so just like their need to, again, like want to feel appreciated and loved and wanted and um, all the things, right? And so the balance there is really taking care of themselves in that process. And once they do, it's it's, it's a pretty easy shift once I get them to that place. Um, and then again, man, do they create some massive cool results. Again, especially if they're in a helping profession because phew, everybody just loves them. And it's so much fun to watch them thrive. It's amazing. Oh, I get chills just thinking about it. All right. So as I said, we're going to stop with that for this week's episode. We talked about Enneagram 5s, Enneagram 1s, and Enneagram 2s. Next time, we're going to talk about all the other numbers. So threes, fours, six, sevens, eights, and nines. And you may think, well, Lindsay, you only covered three today. Next time, you're going to cover so much more. But you will find that some of these numbers I don't know that much about. Like I can read the stuff to you on paper, but um, some of these numbers I just haven't worked with a lot. So You'll have to find out what those are next time on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I always so appreciate you. And I can't wait to see you back on the show next week for part two. Bye. Hey there, Miss Unstoppable. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode. If you enjoyed it, share it with a friend. Send them a picture of this episode via text, via email, share it on social media. I'm sure they would be so appreciative to know these strategies and tips on how to accomplish your dreams. If you are ready to guarantee you're going to accomplish your goals and dreams, then it's time to start coaching with me. In my nine-month simple success coaching system, I am going to walk you every single step of the way to ensure that you get the goals and dreams that you want. The first step is to apply for a free 60-minute consult call. Just go to lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y, epreston.com forward slash apply to get started. As always, my friend, remember... 
You're only as unstoppable as you believe you can be. So believe in yourself. You got this.